Friends, as we turn to God's word today, let us pray. O gracious and holy God, give us diligence to seek you, wisdom to perceive you, and patience to wait for you. Grant us, O God, a mind to meditate on you, eyes to behold you, ears to listen for your word, a heart to love you, and a life to proclaim you. Through the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, our risen Lord. Amen. Now hear the word of the Lord from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 to 31. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. Thomas answered, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with this he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Three times in this passage, our resurrected Lord says to his disciples, Peace be with you. First, when Jesus comes and stands among them, and he says, Peace be with you. Now, I would imagine as a disciple that this peace be with you may simply come across as a way to assure them it's okay. Put yourself in the place of the disciples. You've locked the door because you're worried that the Jews and authorities who just crucified your Lord would come and kill you as well. You're jumpy, you're on edge, and on top of that, you're mourning. 
In The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, C.S. Lewis helps us enter into what the disciples might be feeling as he recounts the two children, Susan and Lucy's, feelings immediately following Aslan, the story's Christ figure's death. I hope no one who reads this book, Lewis writes, has been quite as miserable as Susie and Lucen were that night. But if you have been, if you've been up all night and cried till you have no more tears left in you, you will know there comes in the end a sort of quietness. You feel as if nothing was ever going to happen. At any rate, that was how it felt for those two. This feeling would have been close to what the disciples were experiencing a few days after the crucifixion. Right before this passage, we hear that Jesus has appeared to Mary Magdalene, who then goes and tells the disciples that she has seen the Lord. And it would seem that they are probably struggling with this because they know that generally dead people stay dead. So peace be with you seems like a good starting point when you suddenly appear in the midst of a group of scared, confused, sad, and tense disciples. But this is more than just a calm down. Jesus shows them the wounds, and John tells us they were glad when they saw the Lord. Again, Lewis helps us enter into the story. This is what he writes after Aslan has appeared to the children. Oh, Aslan! cried both the children, staring up at him, almost as much frightened as they were glad. Aren't you dead then, dear Aslan? said Lucy. Not now, said Aslan. You're not, not a, asked Susan in a shaky voice. She couldn't bring herself to say the word ghost. Aslan stooped his golden head and licked her forehead. The warmth of his breath and a rich sort of smell that seemed to hang about his hair came all over her. Do I look real? He said. Oh, you're real, you're real, oh, Aslan, cried Lucy. And both girls flung themselves upon him and covered him with kisses. But what does it all mean? Asked Susan when they were somewhat calmer. And while the disciples were seemingly more composed and reserved in their rejoicing, you can see them asking the same question. But what does it all mean? Jesus says to them again, peace be with you. But what does that mean? Moreover, what does it mean from a risen Savior? This greeting would not by any means have been strange to the disciples. In fact, this was a traditional greeting among the Jews. Peace be with you, or in Hebrew, shalom alechem. But what does it all mean? Peace to us often simply means the lack of conflict or tension, often set up by a third party, some sort of authority, such as parents trying to create peace among their children. Or in sports, peace comes from a referee or umpire making a call, though I imagine for many Michigan fans, they aren't too happy with that sort of peacemaking from Monday's game. However, peace or shalom means much more than the absence of conflict or a decision being made. The disciples were almost certainly not in a place of peace in the aftermath of the crucifixion. But Christ offers them this peace. One sport I love and played throughout college and continue to play is ultimate, or ultimate frisbee. 
In contrast to sports with umpires and referees, there isn't a ref in Ultimate, but rather a rule called spirit of the game. It is a self-officiated sport where spirit of the game dictates that when a call is made, the two players discuss it and come to an agreement as to what has happened. And while this is closer to shalom, we're still not quite there. Shalom, God's peace, means wholeness, a deeper peace. And that is something that comes only from God. While this greeting would have been normal for the disciples as a common welcome, it would also call to mind the blessing that Stephen so elegantly reminded us last week is older than a lot of things, Aaron's blessing. The ironic blessing that is found in Numbers 22 goes like this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and place his peace on you. Now, if you look in most English translations, that last phrase, place his peace on you, is probably rendered something like, give you his peace. But the Hebrew there has another level of God actually placing God's peace on God's people. God not only gives his peace, but places it on us like a robe. While with the gift one has to receive, this placing or bestowing is done just by God. And while peace be with you on its own is rich and true, what does it mean for this to be said, as it is in our passage, by a resurrected Lord? What does it mean to have the Son of God, who has defeated death and sin on the cross, and powerfully declared his victory in the resurrection, say, peace be with you? This is so much more than simply a platitude of be at peace a phrase that can easily sound hollow in the midst of pain and suffering. This is a blessing and a declaration, and it is also a deep reality. Christ is not saying, don't worry, be happy. Christ is not saying that the unease you feel about a decision, don't, just stop it. Christ is not saying that your anxiety, your worry, your depression, that tingling sense of unease in your stomach that seems like a million ants crawling around, that lingering thought or decision that keeps you up at night, he's not saying that that is wrong or a sin and you should just stop. Don't hear that. As a good friend of mine often says, happiness is an emotion, but joy is a state of being. And while nuance is needed to expound what all is in that phrase, that is what is meant by peace. God's shalom, God's wholeness, a wholeness that was fulfilled in Christ's death and resurrection and is given to us. Even when we don't feel it, Christ has given it to us. Christ has placed it upon us. We are robed in his peace. The risen Christ can declare, peace be with you, Because Christ is that peace, and Christ is with us. Because Christ has conquered the power of sin and darkness, though in this now and not yet time, till Christ comes again, we still experience that unease. Christ declares, peace be with you. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. 
receive the Holy Spirit. Christ breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, a few chapters earlier in John, before Jesus' betrayal, crucifixion, and resurrection, Jesus delivers his farewell address to the disciples. Hear these words from John 14, from before Jesus was crucified, and listen for the fulfillment of the promises made. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. And skipping to verse 25, I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. In this resurrection appearance on Easter to the disciples in the locked room, Jesus echoes his promise of peace to a people who were surely afraid. His encouragement to the disciples to not be troubled must have seemed empty in light of the crucifixion. But now that Christ has risen, it is seen that God is in control and gives his peace. Because in his death and resurrection, Christ restored the peace that was broken in the fall. Jesus also fulfills the promise of the Spirit, the advocate and counselor who comes to be with the disciples. And Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Throughout Scripture, there is an intimate relationship between God's breath and the Spirit's movement. In creation, in Genesis 2, God breathes into humanity, and it animates them. In Ezekiel, God breathes on the dry bones, and they have life. And here, Christ breathes on the disciples and says, Peace be with you. God gives the same Spirit, the Counselor and the Giver of life, to us. We receive the Spirit in and through Christ just as the disciples did. And we also receive this peace with it. Just as Christ bestows his peace excuse me, and the Spirit on the disciples that Easter evening, so too does Christ bestow the Spirit and his peace on us. We receive the Spirit in and through the waters of baptism where we participate in Christ's death and resurrection. We receive the Spirit at the table, where we commune with Christ through the Spirit and are sustained to live lives of faith. But what is this sustaining for? Again, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Christ does not just give us his peace and spirit for our benefit only. Rather, the resurrected Savior gives us a mission to carry out God's peace into the world full of the Spirit. This is John's account of the Great Commission. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. 
And this has got to be a whirlwind of emotions for the disciples. Wow, Jesus is alive. Peace, spirit, sent. Wait, sent? What? For the disciples are not just being sent by a crucified and resurrected Lord. They are being sent in the same manner as a crucified and resurrected Lord. And they just saw what this sending meant. At least some of them witnessed the, in person the bloody beating of their Lord and his crucifixion and suffering on a cross. Yes, he was standing alive before them, but sent in the same way? The way filled with the Spirit, yes, but to suffer? Even with the promise of their and our resurrection, sent in the same way? Yet this is the same sending we have, to go to take up our cross to live a self-sacrificial life. Just as in Narnia, Susan and Lucy climb on Aslan's back and go with him as he restores life and wholeness, shalom to Narnia, we participate in Christ's kingdom work. Because we aren't just saved from sin and given God's peace and spirit, but we are saved for God's kingdom work. Throughout this passage, Jesus is redefining what the identity is of his disciples and consequently of us. In this passage, he provides a paradigm of what our identity is as followers of a resurrected Savior in Christ's peace by the Spirit and sent by the Father. The triune movement of the Father sending the Son who bestows the Spirit shows us who we are called to be. The disciples, both then and us now, are sent to live out the mission of Christ in the ministry of forgiving sins. To live God's kingdom work of justice, which is itself another aspect of God's shalom. We, as they, are called to witness to the risen Lord, which the disciples immediately do in telling Thomas. And he doesn't believe them. Which, to be honest, is fair, since he knows that generally dead people stay dead. But Christ doesn't leave Thomas in this confused or conflicted state. Well, at least not longer than a week. For the very next week, they are gathered together again. And Jesus comes. He doesn't chide Thomas, but says, peace be with you. The risen Lord offers Thomas to touch his hands and his side. But seemingly without taking him up on this option, Thomas responds, my Lord and my God. This is a declaration of faith, of belief in Christ. Jesus answers him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Now, that passage is often read as Jesus scolding Thomas. Sort of a, Jesus answers him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Come on, Thomas. But this isn't a shaming passage of how dare you have questions or doubts. If that were the case, Jesus wouldn't have graciously returned. If that were the case, Jesus wouldn't have shown himself to Mary and the other disciples. He would have expected them to all believe without showing himself. But he does show up, and he does offer this, this beatitude 
of blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe, which is looking forward. John follows this promptly with, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. And this is what we are looking towards. Those who, <clears throat> those who the disciples, in their identities as followers of a triune God, in the peace of a resurrected Savior, by the Spirit sent by the Father, are going to witness to what they have seen to those who will not see Christ physically. But Christ's appearance and their commissioning is so that we might come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing we may have life in his name. This is what the disciples were called to do, and this is what we are called to do. We don't see Christ physically as he has ascended to the right hand of the Father, but we still experience Christ. We receive his peace and the Spirit through word, sacrament, and the community of saints. We are called to live into the peace of Christ and to witness to our resurrected Lord. And thanks be to God that we are not sent alone. We are given the words of Scripture to help us tell this story. We are given the Spirit, the Helper, the Counselor, to strengthen and guide us. Because while we are sent just as Christ was, only God brings people to him. We are sent, but we are sent in peace and assurance that faith is a gift of God, and it is our resurrected Lord who saves and brings people to him. Salvation is not just peace and the Spirit, though it is that. It is a salvation for, for participating in the kingdom work of God in God's peace and justice. Again, Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Peace be with you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.